That's a big fish. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh my god! Big mama out. This is the biggest fish I've ever killed goldfish. Guns out. Buffs out, baby. <laughs> Good job. What a night. Bigger the rock. Look, there's a big one. Nice job, Taylor. Get him, Smitty. Double up, baby. Hey! <laughs> Good gator. He's a monster. That's good gator. <laughs> wow. Love boatfish. Come here. Time for a free boat ride. The AMS boat. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bowfishing Buzz presented by AMS Bowfishing and Mega Mouth Bowfishing as well. That's right, man. We are on episode 45, Schmitty. That's awesome. Rolling, rolling right along here. Rolling along. It's a beautiful day here in yes. Wisconsin. I mean, there's not a cloud in the sky again. Woke up this morning and I was getting dressed and I looked at the temperature and it was 44 degrees. Oh, I know. That gives you, you absolutely know. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 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 I think uh, definitely in this last probably week and a half, we've definitely felt the transition. Of summer to right. early fall. That but you know, with, got a little crispness to it. Oh, it's got that smell. Yeah. It's got yep. that smell to it. But also with that, we're getting up into, you know, into the 80s. Yeah. Today, the daytime. Today, for example, I think I saw this morning, there's a 37 degree temperature change yeah. from from the low to the high. Yeah. It's like, okay, yep, welcome to Wisconsin here. We're going it, to be it's 40s just, and 80s. It's same just day. so beautiful, though, because the daytimes, you're getting highs in the, you know, high 70s to low 80s. Night times it drops down into the low 40s. Yeah, but then these sunsets we've been having oh, the last wicked. couple week and a half, two weeks, and the sunrises have just been yeah beautiful. Yeah, they've been I mean, they've just, been spectacular. You get that fog. You get a lot of mixed fog. in there that yeah. just adds to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been pretty cool. And I know along with that, our archery season yeah. opens Saturday, Schmitty. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And you have Matt. You have one day. To see if I've you can get day. it done, I know. because then you got to leave. <laughs> I do, but you're you're leaving on something that's pretty darn cool as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Get the old Florida Gator hunt coming up here. Leaving Sunday for that. Yeah, and you got a uh, it's that Saturday. Just from from what you've been showing me, that Saturday hunt. I'm guessing you're gonna sit Saturday. Yeah, it could be an interesting little deal. I I really yeah. I've got a nice yeah. nice buck coming in. Um, he's got a split G two right at the base. Um, he's got a nice bladed G2 on the left side and, um, he's really, he's a neat deer. He's yeah, been coming he's cool. in quite a bit, um, you know, all through velvet, got some really cool pictures of him right in front of the camera with velvet hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, she shed it in one night here just last Friday. He was still in velvet and Saturday he was, had velvet hanging. Yeah. Yeah. I think two things here. I think it is, you know, you get those different transitions throughout archery season the fact that that deer's still showing up after he shed his velvet he didn't change that pattern at all is that's yeah. really i mean that would for, if if that was the deer that i was hunting i'd be like wow okay good yeah. deal he didn't go nocturnal or move right. at all and right. then number two like these guys down in kentucky who have uh i think it's like september 1st opener or, or whatever it is certain it's early, areas yeah and they yeah. get to shoot these beautiful velvet bucks I know, oh beautiful. i'm jealous I i'm just too. i'm jealous we're like yep. a week away it's it's like when when our opener starts, pretty much everything's been out of velvet for roughly a week. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yep. but yeah, that's yep. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was actually I got a picture of him this morning, Schmitty. Did you really? Yeah, it's what seven o'clock or something. Oh, he peeked in a little boy. bit and he was gone. Yeah, that's all you need though. 
He peeked it under the apple tree there and must not have been a lot of apples laying there because he kind of left hmm. really quick. Yeah. Yeah, but he was there again this morning. Um, and the weird thing is, Derek, I'm getting pictures of him at 11.30 See, and that's what's in, wild. The, in the morning. He's bedding close. He's I'm getting pictures be. of him at 10 to 3 in the afternoon, mm-hmm. yeah. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he'll come back at 6.30. That's wicked. Yeah. That's that's cool. That's that's, yeah. that's that's a killable deer in five days here. Right. And I'm really hoping, I really would like to put a tag on him right away Saturday. And I know that sounds kind of funny that I want to end my season right away, but if I do, I might get a chance to go down home with my buddy Dennis Redden in oh, Kentucky. God, yeah. I've been telling Do you for years, man. You've got a heck of an opportunity down there. Yeah. Dennis yep. is always on good deer. So. Mm-hmm. And then along with that, um, my wife is probably going to start, you know, she's going to go archery hunting again this year. Oh, so cool. be able to spend more time with her sure. in the woods if I do tag out right away. So I'm not worried about it all, about tagging out. I'll film. I'll maybe go on to Kentucky. So yeah. I'm ready for the season. I've been practicing back here in the shop, so I'm yeah, ready. Yeah, you sent me a Snapchat last night. Yep. There was three dots on a block target. Boy, those dots were center bink, punched. Pink. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That looked that looked pretty good. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So with that, we'll kind of get into our little podcast here, a little intro. Oh, one thing, um, we were we had the pleasure, Derek, last oh, yeah, week. Right. Yeah. Of um and I don't know if a lot of you know this, but there is another um bow fishing podcast that is out there. Mm-hmm. Um playing hooky bow fishing podcast. By Captain Cody Klaus yep. out of Minnesota, and um, he actually called us up uh, two weeks ago and asked if we would be on there. and And Derek and I were on his podcast last week, and it's available on all your favorite streaming services out there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, does a great job on his podcast. He's got a lot of a uh, lot of neat people that he has come on there and talk with him on that. And um, so, you know, another option out there. Yeah. And that's great. That's so great. Oh, yeah. You know, for our sport, um, you know, because look at archery, how many podcasts are on bow hunting right. and deer hunting and right. and turkey hunting and all kinds of stuff. I think it was cool, too, when we were talking to him last week. First of all, it is very weird to be on the other end of a podcast. Isn't that weird? It yeah. was actually, I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not sitting like, you know, well, what have you and I been doing for the last hour and a half? Getting ready for getting this ready, podcast. Right. Getting information. It's always in the back of my head throughout the week, throughout those two weeks. Okay, what what can we talk right. about? What are we going to do here? How mm-hmm. can we tie it into the situation? Um, you know that you're leaving for Gators next week. The whole right. the whole deal. And to be able to just kind of sit back and answer some questions, man, that was relaxing. Was that fun. was that was cool. Yep. But um, I listened to it this morning actually, and Cody does a great job. And what was really cool when we were on with him, he he stated that we were a big inspiration for him to start the bow fishing podcast That's that really he cool. has. He said, yeah. He said, listen to you guys. He said, I think it was like a year and a half ago, two years that he started. He said, honestly, listening to you guys was a big inspiration. And it was like I was just sitting back here. I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. awesome. Yep. That's exactly what we're doing it for, you know? Absolutely. But so yeah. that was really cool. Check out Plain Hooky Podcast, Captain Cody Klaus. That's right. And like I said, any of you know, any of your favorite streaming mm-hmm. networks, he's out there. So, so yeah, check out the Playing Hooky Bowfishing Podcast yeah. by Cody Klaus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, we're going to get into, in the past, we did a bunch, we were doing a bunch of the BAA, which is the Bowfishing Association of America, um, some of their records, and now they are coming back out with their records online so we can all see them. So let's get back into the Absolutely. the records of things we got here, a nice little, We got a nice little list here. We do. We've got a nice list, and I probably didn't go down very far, but I was like, we, yeah, i got to kind of keep this. Great. We started somewhere. we got probably a dozen of them on here. Yeah, so, um, so, so yeah, yeah, I'll start it out here, Matt. Go ahead. Congrats to Landon Long on his Kentucky BAA Youth Short Nose Guard record, 5.7 pounds. Congrats to Landon. Always cool to see those youth records getting right. broke. Yep. And then to Addison Lay on his BAA Arkansas State record Blue Catfish, 
22.4 pounds. Awesome. Larry Pickens, congrats. BAA West Virginia state record grass carp. Oh, yeah, it's a tanker. 69.4 pounds. That's, That's a, a big, big fish right there. Yep, yep. And then we've got Jacob Kinney on his BAA Vermont state record and BAA world record. Rudd, mm. 3.4 pounds. Nice. Oh, this one hits a little close to home here, Matt. Chris yes. Beal, congratulations. Mm-hmm. BAA Wisconsin State Record Grass Carp, 58.6 pounds. I wonder where he shot that fish. I don't know. That's a big grass carp for That's Wisconsin. That's a big grass carp for Wisconsin. That's <clears throat> yep. awesome. And Chris Chris has shot some big fish. He, sh- he, he shot um, the biggest common in our AMS Big 20 tournament. Oh, okay. And... Wisconsin, the Bow Fishing Association here in Wisconsin also has a a, um, a little jackpot side pot thing for yearly long for the heaviest certain species, oh, yep, and this yep. year it was the common carp. And um, his was leading that category. Yeah. And then I went down to Green Bay, <laughs> and I shot that 38, and then I bumped him. And then he came back a couple weeks later and bumped me with the really? 42 or something like that. Yeah, so he's, oh my gosh, he also well, won. Cool. So Chris has been shooting some big fish. Yeah, Chris year. is on the biggins. Yeah, he that's is. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Good job, Chris. Yep. Uh, moving on with the records, we've got Corey Cleggs on his BAA Youth Minnesota and BAA World Record Bullhead. Two pounds. Nice, nice. That's a big bullhead. What do we got for a name here, man? Lyric Lay. Lyric. Yep. Lyric Lay, congrats on her BAA Youth Oklahoma and Youth World Record. Wow. Green Sunfish, 0.4 pounds. Mm-hmm. Nice shooting, Lyric. That's a that's a good shot on that fish Yeah, right heck there. yeah. Yep. Yep. Then we've got Mike. Sorry if I don't get this right. Klosterbohr on his BAA Minnesota State Record Silver Red Horse, 8.1 pounds. That's a big red horse. That is right a big there. red horse. Good Lord. That is a tank. Glusterbauer. Nice shooting. Glusterbauer. Yep. Hunter Bushy, congratulations. BAA Youth New York State Record Meerkarp, 16.7 pounds. Very nice. That's a mm-hmm. cool-looking fish. And to round them up for today, we've got William Cobb on his BAA Louisiana State Record Blue Catfish. Oh, my. 73 oh. pounds. Mm. That's that, a big fish, Matt. That'll eat your head, Schmidt. Yeah, you could put your whole body in that fish's mouth. Yeah, yeah. that's a tanker right Good there. Good Lord. <laughs> nice shooting, William. Good Lord. Yeah, so congrats to all those on your on your BA records. And if you want to know how to get um, a BA record, you, you know, you join the Bow Fishing Association of America. And um, for whatever state that you live in or if you travel to different states, you can go ahead and look at what those records are. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot something close by, you can submit a form and do – Right there, you've got all the information you need to uh, submit a form for a record fish and what you have to have and what kind of video you have to have and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think something too here, Matt, just in case anyone out there is listening, if you shoot a record of any kind with any kind of certification, send that on over to us here at Megamouth. We love to post that. If you're okay with it, we would be privileged to show off that big fish you shot. I know mm-hmm. we've done that a couple times mm-hmm. in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to let everyone know, you know, I think a lot of times guys will see these records and be like, oh, well. How heavy was that fish I shot two weeks ago? That fish was close. And then all of a sudden you kind of, well, I got to go see if I can get that record. And all of a sudden you kind of got a little bit of a, a frenzy going on. Oh, can I beat that? Can I beat that yep. type of deal? Absolutely. So send them in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, Schmitty. Yeah. Today we're going to get to our, the meat of the topic here. Yeah. Yeah. This and is the meat and taters of boat fishing right Meat here. and taters, exactly. It is. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about the Saprinus. Carpio. Ooh. 
Boy, it sounds smart when it I does. say that. Yes, you just gained Supernus, a couple IQ points there. Yeah, Supernus Carpio. <laughs> Better known as the common carp, Schmitty. Yep. And, yep. Um, of a course. A staple in the bow fishing world. Definitely. Definitely. He's got the crown on his he does. head. Yep. 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 He has a crown on his head. Um, I know the first fish that I ever shot, bow fishing, was a common carp. Yeah. On right. a big old plain flowage right here. You know, that was the first fish I ever shot. Mm-hmm. And I think that fish was just maybe like eight pounds or so, and I thought that thing was a tank. A monster. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I looked at that thing, and I'm like, are you kidding me? This thing's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so in, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit about the common carp, um, kind of the habitats it lives in, how they got introduced, um, some different um, facts and stuff about the common carp with that. And remember, you can also follow along on the AMS YouTube channel on the video podcast of this as well. Absolutely. And we're going to have a, I'm going to try to find that. Now that's what I got to do when we get done here. I have to go try to find a bunch of footage of common carp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure through the years, we've got a, a good amount of footage that you can look through for common carp. Yeah, it's just <laughs> going through and finding all that stuff and then dragging it in and making that timeline and stuff. Like but, I've said before, when I've had to look at your your uh, premiere timeline, I walk in there, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it just gives me a headache just looking at it. That's yeah. a lot of work in there, yeah. but they're pretty yeah. cool. So I guess to get things going here, Schmitty, um, the common carp is native to Europe and Asia, but the species has been introduced worldwide and is included on the list of the world's 100 worst invasive species. Yep. Yep. Now, when it says worldwide, Derek, I kind of did some searching on this, yeah. and there's actually, uh, it's worldwide except for two certain places. Hmm. Okay. Do you, do you know where those two certain places are? So these places, they're not considered invasive in this in these two they're, places? They're, or? They don't have them. Oh, oh, they okay. They don't have them. Oh, boy. Okay. Are we talking like uh, regions of the entire world? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's Scott, it's two, somewhere there's far two places. north. There's two places where there's really no carp, or they haven't been introduced there. Hmm. I mean, are there, are, there, are there carp up by the North Pole, Antarctica? Or I don't even know, is that... Where it's crazy cold. That's one of them. It yep. is okay. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I don't even know Iceland, uh, the North and the South Poles. Okay, gotcha. Okay, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Can you imagine some guy trugging along and with a <laughs> cart when it's like negative forty degrees with two a female and a male carp going across the, the glaciers and the ice? And he's all drilling stuff. through eight feet of ice yeah. to see if he can see a carp down there yeah. that he can the somehow. Narwhale yeah. comes up and says, "Get them out of here." Yeah, yeah. He probably get it stolen by a <laughs> leopard seal or something. Poor bear. <laughs> Yep. Okay, so they are literally everywhere except for where it is like too cold for a lot of things to survive. Yeah, that just shows how invasive they are. Honestly, right, right. and that like they're that's why they're on the list of the 100 worst invasive species. Yeah, the common carp is on that. Yeah, they're bad news. I mean, they're it's fun to shoot, list. but we shoot them because they're they're bad news for yeah everything else. They're just so prolific. Yeah, you know, they just they just take over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I, you know, you you had the scientific name there, Matt, and I actually just found a little bit of a a description here. I'm going to read this off here. Uh, color and proportions are extremely variable in common carp, but yep. scales are always large and thick. And as I'm reading that, I think to all the times that we are out fishing, out bow fishing, and you shoot at a fish, and this happens on buffs a lot too, but you'll shoot a fish and you your arrow is going right for that fish. You think you smoke them, and then all of a sudden you are bringing nothing back in. And you're like, what in the world? I thought I hit that fish. You bring your arrow in, and here there's a big 50-cent-sized scale yep. on your arrow. And you're like, oh, those scales are so thick. Um, 
But there are three subspecies with slightly different scale right. patterns that mm -hmm. are recognized. There's mm -hmm. the Carpio communis, which has the regular scales. The Carpio specularis, wow. which is the mirror carp. Large scales running along the side of the body in several rows with the rest of the body naked. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was an interesting name, Carpio specularis. Like, it's a spectacular sight to see. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's that cool. kind of cool. Um, and then the Carpio coaceus with few or no scales on the back. And a lot of people call that a leather, leather carp. carp right. Yeah. And I know I, I didn't really know that that was a separate species. I just yes. thought it was kind of a strange looking mirror carp. Yep. And and digging in and, and reading them like, oh, that's a whole nother subspecies. Right. Um, yep. But yeah, that was kind of cool. A lot to of learn that depends. That. Uh, like the, the mirror carp is like the lateral lines. Yeah. Where you have okay. some scales on the lateral lines yep. and then no scales below that. Mix and match different size scales on yeah. your mirror carps. Yeah. Uh, that's what we have around here. We don't very seldom, do, here in Wisconsin anyways, are, we have leather carp. Yeah, I haven't seen them. But the, the couple pictures I have seen, that is a great name for them. They literally, like, if I feel like if I'd run my fingers down those fish, it would feel exactly like leather. It looks like leather. It I is, think it would yeah. feel like leather. It's mm -hmm. kind of a strange look. Kind of mm -hmm. cool, but, you know, yep, yep. just kind of weird looking. And they, they do have different categories for records. You know, you have your common carp, and then you also have records for a mirror carp right, as well. Right, Yep. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. Mm -hmm. That's actually one of the things that I had written down here, Schmitty. Stealing your stealing yeah. your info. Yeah. So the original common carp was found in the inland delta of the Danube River about two thousand years ago. Oh boy! Derek. Wow. wow. Yeah. So they've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Danube River. I wonder if there's any carp in there right now. I bet you it's just full of them. We should go over there. Sometime. We should go over there. I don't know where it is, but let's. Uh... Can you can you imagine being like the first, like the first one was that was found two thousand? Can you imagine if the first Derek Schmidt was found two thousand years ago in Stratford, Wisconsin? Can you imagine being like that 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 specific that, fish, that specific one, yeah, the first of that yeah. one to the be found? OG, the original. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as like food habits go, Matt, I find this actually amazing. Uh, Carp are preliminary selective benthic omnivores that specialize on invertebrates that live in the sediments. And that's why I think a lot of times you'll see a feeding carp and all you see is a tail sticking up out right. of the, the mud and the, the you know, and muck big on the bottom. dirt cloud around them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Newly hatched carp initially feed on zooplankton, um, copepods, copepods mm -hmm. and algae. Young of year carp feed on a variety of uh, macro invertebrates, including chironimids, caddisflies, which I think caddis are like great trout. Mm, yes. Yeah. They like put themselves in some kind of little like a caddis leaf or something. They wrap themselves in. If you can get that that caddis out of there, supposedly it's like trout crack is what they really? call it. They, oh, yeah. they love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they also eat insects, crustaceans, annelids, uh, mollusks, fish eggs, fish remains, and plant tubers and seeds, which is why... Like you said, Matt, they're so prolific. Right. They're eating these other fish eggs. They're eating these these sediments, these roots, digging roots up out of the bottom. Pretty soon your game fish habitat, bass, walleyes, bluegills, in a couple of years of there being a established carp population, that whole habitat is gone. Right. Because it's been it's it's just, you know, mud bottom or there's mm -hmm. rocks, there's nothing there anymore. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that leads to their how invasive they are. Right. That's that's what kind of goes into that. And then you also along with that, Derek, you have with them filter feeding like that on the bottom, you know, filter feeding the sediment stuff, they release a, a tremendous amount of phosphorus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stuff that's been stored underneath that surface layer 
which on the bottom. Right, and that later on creates large algae blooms yeah. on bodies of water. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this too. This is kind of interesting. Carp feed by sucking up mud from the bottom, ejecting it, and then selectively consuming items while they are suspended. You know, that's right. kind of that. And I, I've seen videos too on um, on Instagram of like carp when they're when people angle, they fish them with corn. Yep. And they'll come and they'll they 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 suck that corn in and spit it out. It's like repeated. It's not like sediment like they're used to. So it's like a physical object, and it's crazy to see how they. Yeah. How they feed. In and um, out motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, on here, too, it says feeding galleries of carp are easily recognized in shallow waters as depressions in the sediment. Now, I have to ask you, Matt, because I can't say I've ever seen that. Have you ever been in a body of water where you see little depressions on the bottom and that you could say, oh, yeah, that's that's a, that's where a carp was feeding or that's where there's – they call them here feeding galleries where the carp are. Have you seen that at all? I can't say I have. I don't think I have because the water's – are usually so dirty. Yeah. Okay. When I'm looking for carp, when we're in a lot of carp. Sure. But one thing that I know, Derek, that I see a lot of on a lot of bodies of water that have cattails is there'll be cattails floating out in the middle. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Or all over wherever the wind is pushing them mm-hmm. because they're 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 feeding all that sediment out around the cattail roots and pretty soon those cattail roots just bloop they just right. pop up and they float away. And that is crazy to think. Okay, think of shooting a, a arrow into cattails. You're screwed. You, you got to yeah. go back. You got to mm-hmm. work that out of there. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that carp can can uh, displace that that much sediment and disturb those roots enough that they literally just float up out float of the up. water. That is wild yeah. to think of. You can't even pull them out with all your might with a stainless steel arrow, a tip on there, right. to pull it out of there. Mm-hmm. So that that in itself is like wow. Yeah, they do a lot of damage yep. doing that yep. stuff. Yep. Getting back to what you were saying there about um, them eating eggs. Now I heard to where they actually do not eat the eggs i've heard the same thing um, what actually happens is your 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 game fish come in there and spawn and then they come the carp come in there afterwards and are filter feeding and they'd actually just filter that the eggs through their while they're so they don't habitat. they don't actually consume them they just get filtered through the carp when from, they're feeding right from what i heard that the carp do not just go in there and, and target sure eggs gotcha is that true or not i don't know i've, I've I, I have no idea yeah i've, about I've that. read I've read both sides of that as right. we were from from rather um, verifiable sites. I've read both of those. So that's kind of up in a mystery yet. Do, right. they, do they physically consume them? Does it go into their bellies? Maybe not, but they ruin them either way. Correct. They, they wreck them. But no matter what, they still wreck a right. lot of native fish spawning habitats because right. of their feeding habitats right. yep. and release a lot of phosphorus. I've seen pictures already on bodies of water where they bring in commercial netters. Mm-hmm. And they'll like take an aerial view of that body of water. Yeah. Like in July. Okay. And it's just a complete algae bloom. Ugh. Yeah. And then they'll like rope off half of that body of water and commercial net and then put a gate through there so the carp can't get into that oh. area where they commercial. And it's like a night date. It was like a different body of water. Really? That water is just so beautiful looking and right on the side of that line, it's just a complete algae mess. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. I know mm-hmm. just um I've been out to the Dakotas a couple times, yeah. Devil's Lake ice fishing. And <laughs> that's th- a weird. That's a that's a weird thing. <laughs> what ice fishing? No, Devil's Lake though. Oh yeah, isn't that strange? Very strange. Think of the fish that you've shot in the Dakotas, Matt. <laughs> I mean, big fish. Yeah. Big commons. Yeah. They are scared out of their wits of common carp. Let me let me rephrase that. We would go out there. We would fish with a guide. Okay, mm-hmm. they'd have mm-hmm. us go out there, and as working here, when I'd go out there, I'd ask him, "Oh my gosh, you guys got to have huge carp over here!" And he 
no, we don't. And not, we we do not want any. This whole yeah. industry would be ruined if we discovered carp in here. And they they like talked about a carp that someone saw like five years ago. Like it's this mythical legend that someone <laughs> saw it. So then no one wants to fish there because there could be that could be bad fishing from the carp. But like out there where perch fishing, you know, mostly is such a huge industry out there. There's a there's a guide service. There's probably fifty of them on Devil's Lake. Mm-hmm. They are so scared and rightfully so right. that these fish could find their way to Devil's Lake specifically and ruin that fishery. Because it's a it's a once in a I mean it's 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 one of the best places to fish in the world. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. if you get carp that come in there, that could totally ruin right the fishery. I just now there's gotta be carp in the lake, but maybe not to a point where they're taking over. No, from what I heard, Dirk, that there is none in there. See, and that how? That is so crazy to me. That blows my I, mind. From what I heard, there is no carp in Devil's Lake in South in North Dakota. And that's gotta lead to why some of the you know, the fishing is so crazy good. I was I was totally shocked. I, I went and looked at a bunch of forum forums and stuff and they say that there's no carp in Devil's Lake. Yeah, but they are scared. They are so scared that that is going to happen eventually. And I, I totally agree with them. Yeah, that would take a toll on their livelihood. You know, right. these guys guide for four or five months out of the year, and the guy that we talk to, that's his annual income. Right. Like, he doesn't have to guide those other couple of years. He might have a side job or something, but they rake in money, um, you know, taking guys out fishing mm-hmm. there. So, yeah, that could ruin a really big industry out yeah. there. Yeah, I just found that very strange because Devil's Lake has probably, what, tripled in size, in I think the last it's, it's tripled in years. size since like 1990 or something. Yeah. There was a flood. Like literally, when you're fishing out there, you're fishing on the foundations of old homes. Right. You're fishing next to the top of a silo mm-hmm. that's 30 feet on, you know, underneath yep. the the water. Yep. It's crazy how much it flooded. Um, I remember the guy told me that lake lakefront properties now were like three houses back. Wow. 25 years ago. And now they're lakefront because of the flooding. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's And you think with all that flooding, all this water coming in, you just R- thought that something. Right. Would have, you, oh, it's just wild to I, even think It blows think my of. mind that it there's does. No, no carp in Devil's yeah. Lake. Yeah. For but, as big as body of water that is. Right. And, and right. It, it would seem like a bow fishing paradise yeah, to me. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, this one here, I kind of found some mixed timelines on. Um, I was looking for, you know, when the carp were introduced into the Americas, mm-hmm. into the United States. And some of them say the early 1880s goes all the way back, and some say all the way back to 1831. But this was pretty cool. I think we touched on this a little bit. Um, but in the early 1880s, Dr. Francis Baird, listen to this now, he okay. was the head of the United States Commission of Fish and Fisheries. Okay. He was receiving thousands of letters every year from citizens requesting carp for their private ponds. <laughs> so he called over to Europe, okay. asked about the fish that they had over there, and the common carp caught his eye because they were prolific, they were large, they were, he thought at the time, pretty looking, sure. which I guess a carp is kind yeah. of cool looking. Orange, goldish, goldish color. Goldish colors, yeah. yep, yep. And then along at that time, the U.S. government were starting to get a little worried about the their commercial netting that we were going to run out of our commercial netting of salmon and, okay. and other species of fish that we use to eat here. Yep, yep. And what they did over in Europe is they ate a lot of their carp. Mm-hmm. So they thought, well, this would be a great thing to bring over here, and we can use these fish now also for people can use them for their private ponds, sure. and then we can get these into the waterways, and we can commercial mm-hmm. fish these for food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that kind of backfired on him. Yes, it did. Unfortunately, it totally backfired. Not good. No. 
I mean, good for us. Good for us, yeah. Good Great for, the, for good us. Good for the company here, absolutely. But yeah, it's and you hear so many things like that. Wait, hundreds exactly. of years ago, we introduced something, and pretty soon, oh gosh, yeah, this backfired big time. Remember them damn stink bugs a couple of years ago? Oh, they, Those, like like ladybugs or whatever. They were. Every, they were. You go out in the fall on like a white garage door on the side of your house, there, and there would be like thousands of them. And they'd be like, they're like those slow moving. They move really slow. Yeah. But if you slap one of those suckers, it's, it's like, oh. like you just stepped a pile of crap. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. It was bad. <laughs> and now we have these green little. Yeah. Those are even worse now because they are like they they destroy. Yeah. Plant habitat. What do they call them? The. Uh, Asia, um, Japanese beetle? Jap- I don't know what it Asian is. Asian beetle? They're like they're like ladybugs, but they're green in color. Yes. Yeah. Yes. My chickens absolutely love them. Yeah, I saw you. Matt like sends me Snapchat videos <laughs> of a bunch of these bugs on a leaf, and he's holding his chicken like a machine gun, and the beak of that <laughs> chicken just... And they love those things. Oh, you got your own little... Uh, you can just put them out there and get rid of that little yeah. problem you got there. When I go walking over to the raspberry patch, they just follow me. Too. They know what's, they know what's going to happen, and yeah. I go in there and I start shaking all the leaves, and they just are in there just. And you can hear them. crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, they're just crunching them up. When I hold them in my hands, I can hear them crunching them out of my hands. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Just you were on that topic, Matt, about uh, how well, way back in the day we wanted to introduce them to our ponds. There was a there was a specific specific article I was reading before we did the podcast here of common carp myths okay mm-hmm. and i wanted to say it said in the early 1900s it was believed that carp could survive in residential ponds even after it was dry for months on end because they could burrow down into the mud hmm. and then as soon as there would be a heavy rain or a flood or something they would be able to you know come up out of that mud and survive now since that has been 100 percent proven to not be true Carp are not doing that. But, you know, not that long ago, we thought that carp could just burrow into any little muddy hole and live and just live for yeah. months on end. Yeah. But uh, that was that was that was probably <laughs> right around when we realized how invasive they were. People were like, oh, my gosh, that's probably when that rumor started running that they can burrow down into some mud. And sure. But, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that before. Right. But, yeah, right. it has since been proven not to be not true. Not to be true. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, some of the habitat. Um, carp prefer large bodies of slow or standing water and soft vegetative, vegetative sediments uh, to be, uh, they prefer to be in groups of five or more. And that is so true because yeah. a lot of times if you see one, you'll see a couple yep. more right behind it or yep. on the side of it. So that's that's exactly right like the carp are. Uh, they live in temperate climates in fresh or slightly brackish waters in temperatures of 37 to 95 degrees. Uh, they can easily survive winter in frozen over, that ponds and lakes that are frozen over, as long as free water remains below the surface. Um, carp can tolerate water with very low oxygen levels mm-hmm. uh, by gulping air at the surface. Mm. And I mean, how many times, I, I know I've seen that a lot on like oh, uh, yeah. Petenwell in August, you know, you'll see them up on the surface. And a lot of times I think they're filter feeding, and but you'll see them, their lips, the top of their lips are out of the water. Yeah, what do you call them, happy carp? Or are those ones that jump? Happy, car- happy carp are a carp that I that you just see that just go they jump just, out of the water and they yeah, another okay. just happy carp and everybody's like oh go over there there's a carp over there I'm like dude he ain't gonna shoot that fish yeah he's so far gone by now he's gone yeah yeah yep. every time you see a carp oh there's one over there he just jumped out of the go water we gotta go get it yeah good luck shooting that one yeah yeah <laughs> I got a couple of stats here on uh, probably the most scary topic when it comes to common carp and that is reproduction yes okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna read these highlights here and then I'm gonna go through a little bit more. Uh, in depth here. Mm-hmm. Breeding and spawning season is spring and early summer. And get this, Matt, year round in warm, hot tropical areas, 
Yeah. They can spawn year-round. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine a, <laughs> oh, let's go shoot some spawning carp. It's December. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if that was like what it was like around here, that'd be right. wild. Right. That would be crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Number of offspring on average, and this is a 45-centimeter carp, okay, 300,000 eggs. Yes. And as they get bigger, that number only Correct. grows. Correct. Um, time of hatching from the time that they lay those eggs, four days. Four days. I don't that's know the traditional uh, what a walleye is or a bluegill, but that seems wicked fast to it me. It does seem fast. I mean, that seems mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, age of sexual reproductive maturity, three to five years for a female, same for a male. So these are... That's that's fast. Yeah, it's fast. you got, you know, if you think of a fingerling muskie, you know, you don't have muskies that are eight inches long. Those fish aren't... Right. They're not reproducing. No. These carp have... They grow so fast, they need barely any time to be reproducing themselves mm-hmm. um carp generally spawn in the spring and early summer depending upon the climate they segregate into groups in the shallows to spawn carp prefer shallow waters with dense macrophyte cover males externally fertilize the eggs which is what we see when they're mm-hmm. you know we call it the term we call it pushing, pushing. yeah right. they're pushing against that female mm-hmm. um uh which the females scatter over macrophytes in a very active manner the eggs stick to substrate upon which they are scattered right. rocks weeds, whatever they can grab onto. A -hmm. typical female, like I said, about 45 centimeters may produce 300,000 eggs with some estimates as high as 1 million over the breeding season, which, oh, that's crazy. Incubation is related to the water temperature and has been documented at three days at temperatures of 25 to 32 degrees Celsius. Fry average five to five and a half millimeters in total length. Temperature, stocking density, and availability of food influence individual growth. By the time the fish reach 8 millimeters, the yolk has disappeared, and they begin to actively feed like the adults. So you have these small fish. Okay, I don't know what this, the, the, the death rate is of all these, these eggs that get laid, mm-hmm. but these fish, like I said, as far as sexual maturity, they are starting to feed just like the adults when they are so small. Or tiny. They'd be so small, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, males typically become sexually active in three to five years, and so do the females. Right. That's right. just wicked. They're they're really they're reproductive machines. It's impressive how they can just keep pumping it out. Yeah, making more. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's unlike mm-hmm. anything else. And just like all the other invasive species, that's what that's what leads to them overtaking areas. Yeah, being unwanted guests. Yep. You know. Yep. Absolutely. And and getting back to the, their spawning habitats here, Derek. Um, unlike you say a big head or a silver. Mm-hmm. Where when they release eggs, they need that buoyancy. Yeah. Yep. They go down the current. They go with the current. Yep. Yep. Well, here with carp, every body water, pretty much in the United States, has some slack water somewhere, oh, some yeah. back bays. Yep. And, and they just go crazy in there. Generally, when the water temperatures are between 60 to 70 degrees, May, uh, June, mm-hmm. depending on latitude and longitude. Right. Right. On that as well. Yep. Um, I, I know that, like, uh, for example, you were talking about 300,000 eggs mm-hmm. is your average. Yep. That's a relatively small That's female. That's a small female yeah. carp that can do that. You take a 20-pound mm. female, yeah. 2 million eggs. Oh. Well, think of your fish that you shot, a 38-pound female, man. Right. You take some of these giant commons. Oh, what man. can You know, what is it, 4 million? Yeah, who knows what you that know, equates to right. as those fish get bigger and more mature. I, mean, I, I wouldn't want to be the one that had to cut open a 38-pound common and have to count all those All eggs. right, let's get to counting. One, two, three, four. 
<laughs> better have a, a uh, good, a good scale. scale. Yeah, yeah. something. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I got a question for you, Matt. Yeah. There's a report of the oldest documented common carp, and I want you to guess at how old that fish was. I'm going to say probably 40 years old. Okay, somewhere very there. close, 47 years 47 old. 47 years old. 47 okay. years old. Um, other reports of 17 to 20 years are more typical in the wild. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. still, that is crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just wild. Yeah. That's crazy. I was kind of basing that off of the buff that I shot a couple years ago, that 70-pound buff. Okay, and what? The DNR took the scale, and they went to age that, and that came back between 22 and 23 years oh, okay. old. Okay, wow. Wow. So it's kind okay. of eight, I was kind of guessing that off that buff there. Sure. Um, also, getting back to your spawning, Derek, when you're talking about in tropical climates where they can spawn year-round. Yeah, yeah. Here in Wisconsin, carp can spawn multiple times a year also. Um, it depends on rising waters. Okay, sure. Rainfall, and once again, temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, we were down on the Mississippi River a couple years ago back in August. And that morning we got out nice and early when the sun come up there and they were spawning all over the grass. Oh, I remember you, I remember that. I know, mm-hmm. I know the pictures and footage of that that you were telling me about. And yeah, yep. it was mid-August. It was, it was hot. August. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Yep. And I so, guess that shows, you know, that's that's fluctuating water levels there. Absolutely. So. They can spawn several times a year. That's that's wild. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, man. I got a little bit of a quiz for you here. Yeah. Okay. Got this yep. written down. So your life got so busy. Let's just theoretically say that you are so busy. You got all these gators to shoot, all these big bucks to kill. You're just going crazy at the shop. You get to bowfish one day for common carp out of the entire year here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Okay, you only get to go out one time. What is the month? What is the day of that month? Uh, what are the water temperatures? What is the what are the conditions like in the sky? Narrow down and specify your one day that you would pick throughout the entire year to go out and say that you could have a good outing shooting common carp may 30th okay that was way quicker than i was expecting okay may 30th yeah memorial weekend okay that's typically where that that falls Mm -hmm. what are you wanting for water temperature um i I don't even look at water temperature i know i know what's going to happen really either they're going to be spawning or there's going to be fish swimming all over the place okay and you probably would prefer actually pre-spawn for fish correct yeah okay Mm -hmm. you want in clear sunny skies absolutely so you can see better Mm -hmm. okay absolutely gotcha May 30th. Yeah. Everyone write that down. May 30th. That's for Alaska. Oh. Oh, okay. Here's a quick <laughs> attempt at a cover-up to hide his best day here. May 30th. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Memorial weekend. Memorial weekend. Yeah. Gotcha. That's always a good one. That's always a good one. I think too, Matt. I got this written down in my notes here. Like, when we go down to Kentucky, we'll shoot some common carp, but it seems like the size down there doesn't it's quite re- compare. I know. Which you think, oh, down south, bow fishing. You know, we're up here in Wisconsin. I don't know if a lot of people who aren't really into the sport think of Wisconsin as an uh, amazing place to go shoot fish. But honestly, I think Wisconsin common carp can compete with any state. They can. Would you agree? I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some we got some toads. I mean, you, you yeah. weigh barrels we've in the Big some, 20, and you'll realize how big a absolutely. commons we got rolling in here. Yeah. I mean, you shot a 38, and what did you, what did you say a Beal shot? Was 40? I think it was 42 is what he ended up with the with the record there for the Wisconsin Bow Fishing Association. Yeah. I mean, those are, to, those are toads anywhere. Yeah. Those are big fish. I know. Like when um, they used to have the Wisconsin Open, there'd be 43s, oh. you know, wow. 44s. 
Yeah. Do you know the record offhand? I do. I'll get into that. Here. Okay. Yep. All right. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. I do. Um, actually, you'll find this very surprising because you would you don't hear about this state. Okay. When you think about this, okay. The Bow Fishing Association of America's world record okay, world common cart. This is a world record. World record. You have to be a BAA member to have your record in this. Okay. okay? Yep. Was shot by Brian Pacorni. Pacorni. In 2011. Oh, okay. It weighed oh, wow. 67 oh. pounds, six ounces. Mm, 67, six. Oh. Yeah. Now. Yeah, this is the, what I'm interested in. The state in. that this was shot in would be one that I would never, I would have never guessed this probably in 20 tries. Idaho. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Idaho. Idaho. Is there a, is it a big popular lake in Idaho? Do I don't you know, know I'm going to be checking out the bodies of water there and I'm going to do some researching for I mean, you always, Idaho. You always hear about Cascade. I heard it's a, Idaho's a beautiful state. Yeah. I would love to go there and I think it would be kind of cool to go there and just check out what their bow fishing is like there. I wonder if it's on Cascade. There's crazy perch fishing on Cascade. Oh, the Cascade's got those giants. They look yeah. like, they don't even look like perch. But. Right. Hmm, Idaho, yeah. wow. Why have we never... 67 why? pounds. You'd think if there's a 67 shot out of there, there ought to be some 60s and 50s coming out right. of there a little bit more commonly. Mm-hmm. You'd think so. Just doesn't get pressured, right. maybe. Yep. Huh. Yep. Know, that's got to be our next trip going down to Idaho. Yep. Uh, the Bowfishing Association of America uh, record for Wisconsin uh, was shot by Pete Gregoire in 2020, and that carp weighed 43 pounds... 6.4 ounces. Okay, 43. Gotcha. Now, the Wisconsin Bow Fishing Association Comic Cart record for Wisconsin was shot in 2009 by Sarah Pomeraining, weighing 45 pounds, okay. 15 ounces. I remember that last name, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Yep, I remember when she shot that fish. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was on Lake Winnebago. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yep. And now a lot of you might be wondering, well... Well, if Sarah shot a 45-pound common, how can Pete have the record at 43 pounds for the BAA? I know that might confuse some of you out there, so let me try to explain it the best I can. So when Sarah shot that 45-pound common, she probably was not a member of the BAA. Sure. All right. So for you to have your records in these categories, you have to be a member. All right. So Sarah was a member of the Wisconsin Bow Fishing Association. But not the Bullfishing Association of America. Right. And so along with that, you can also have the Wisconsin Alternative Method. Mm. All right? Okay. So just for example, say you went out and you shot a 47-pound comet. Okay, yep. You might have the, but you're not a member of the Wisconsin Bullfishing Association. Yep. Well, then you would have the record for the Wisconsin Alternative oh, okay. Method, which okay. is bow or spear. Okay, right? gotcha. So if you're kind of confused over, well, how can the BA record be less than the Wisconsin Bowfishing Association record? That's the reason why, because you have to be a member of those clubs for your records to hold. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yep. So that if that makes any sense to you. No, yeah, that's that's good to clarify that because, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it sounds weird to someone, well, what's the record? I don't care about this BAA, whatever, but that's good to clarify that mm-hmm. those are separate clubs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. Cool. So, so there's a little uh, little history. You got any other cool facts there about common carp there, Derek? I'm, I'm pretty good here, Matt, but I do have a question for you. Yeah. Butterfly carp. 
I see him a lot, like, get shot down in Texas. I see him. What is that? I mean, that's is that a, a common carp? What's going on there? Yeah, no. For for you, you see people that will shoot like a goldfish, okay? Yep. A goldfish is not a carp. Okay, yep. All right? Yep. And people will will come up and say, hey, is this a – I've been at a couple tournaments where they say, is this a, a gold carp or a goldfish? Okay. Well, you can tell by the barbells. Oh, okay, sure. Goldfish carp carp have barbells yep. around their mouth that hang down, like little, those two little – like little worms hanging down they on the side of his they mouth. They do, yeah. Right? I don't really call them a whisker, but more of a little worm-looking yeah. thing. Yeah, they're not necessarily stiff. But you like can always tell the difference between because a carp species will have barbells, okay? They just hang down right there. Um, the koi carp, I think, are kind of like I kind of will use an example of like albino deer here in Wisconsin. Okay, you have those uh, a gene that gets put out there, a chromosome that a chromosome keeps getting that down. keeps getting passed on and passed on and passed on. Pretty soon, you have these fantails. You know, oh, uh, beautiful okay. looking fish, just absolutely. I, I think Idaho has those also. Okay, yeah, that that yeah. does ring a bell. I think Idaho yeah. has a lot of those. Okay. Um, so, so I think it's just a chromosome in the gene that, that started. Maybe somebody dumped one, uh, some type of fantail. I know when I bought some carp from my pond, I bought some fantails. Did you? Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So very easily, I'm sure a couple of fantails were bought somewhere and <laughs> found their way to a found big their body way of water. Into big body of water. Okay. Somebody dumped them in there and they just started producing and, and, and what we call pushing. <laughs> yeah. Pushing here in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, during the spawn, and pretty soon you had that chromosome going through all those couple of those fish here and there and it just kept getting larger and larger hmm. yeah okay mm-hmm. cool cool yeah i was i was i was curious if while we were looking this stuff up i was curious if i was going to find anything on that you know we've got these three different leather carp mirror carp common carp and i was curious if that was going to be included in there but okay that makes sense that it's they do have records for butterfly uh butterfly fantail okay you know, they do have records for those mm-hmm. and then you also have koi right koi which uh were were introduced over in Japanese and China. Um, very valued fish. Very valued fish for for your ponds. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but those are also a koi. Um, now there are some koi that are goldfish as well that have like black, white, mm-hmm. orange. Sure. And some of those are goldfish, but you also will have some of those that have the barbells that are carp in there. But I, you see some of those fish, I was looking for fi- for some carp to put in the pond out yeah. there, you know? Yeah. I wanted some koi and stuff. Some of those fish like you buy are like four inches long, three inches long, they're little baby ones. Yeah. They're like thousand yeah. dollars for a certain fish. They're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. I know. Like a full grown adult. I'll go there and shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw I saw a video once. I don't know if it was watching Nat Geo or if it was on Facebook Damn. or what, but it was it was like a, a like a twenty pound koi carp, this famous koi carp, and what all had to happen because they what they had to do is they had to transport it from one pond to another, mm-hmm. and the the cost and the insurance on this like hundred thousand dollar fish was insane. Wow. I'm like, oh my gosh, these things are a lot more valuable than what I yeah. had initially yeah. thought. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's crazy. Imagine out shooting fish, all of a sudden you look down and you see a black, white, and orange quite carp swimming around underneath yeah. you that you'd yeah. like stop and be like what the heck mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. hmm. it's cool you get over to like uh saginaw bay michigan and stuff they have a lot of the goldfish over there and i remember the first time i saw a goldfish i was wading in the water and going through the grass and weeds and stuff oh, and, really? also, and okay. i looked and i'm like 
Holy shit! What is that? <laughs> yeah, that's got to that's got to stop you in your tracks a little bit. Yeah, it, it did. Huh. It was just a. It looked like a dang deer hunter in the woods. You oh, know how sure. you can see that blaze orange yeah. through the woods? It was yeah. just like boom, there it was. Wow! And I missed it. I whiffed. Hmm. And then that you same were, tournament you had, you had we goldfish fever. I did. <laughs> that same tournament we shot, we we chased down a a black, white and kind of spotted one. Oh, wow. White, you know, white sure. black spots and stuff. We chased him around a little bit. We never could catch up to it, um, and we never got that fish. But it was pretty cool. I remember Matt. One of my first times shooting fish, it was you, myself, and Tim, and we saw like an albino dogfish yes. or something. Yeah, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have never seen one since. Yeah, that was. I've and seen we, a we, guys we tried chasing them down, and we we never got an arrow yeah. into it, but. I've seen a couple I guys that in Wisconsin crazy. that have shot those. Luke Gerke has a couple of them. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. All very right, cool. Matt. I think it is time for quote of the day. Let's do it. All right. Quote of the day. This quote, quote is a little day. bit different than previous quotes, so just take it with a grain of salt and just try to relate it the best you can. How does that one thing on the, um, the Dan Patrick goal? Stat of the day. That's it. Stat, Stat of the, the day. day. Here comes that. What? Stand of the day. So we got to come up with a little jingle tone. Yeah, for we do. Quote of the day. Yeah, we got to have something on there. <laughs> Here comes Schmitty's what? Quote of the day. <laughs> All right, so here's the quote. I'll repeat it twice. That's how I am, man. When I get something, I get it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go again. That's how I am, man. When I get something, I get it. All right. That quote, that's how I am, man. When I get something, I get it. How could you relate that to your bow fishing career, shooting fish, however you can tie that into the bow fishing world? I can, I'm going to tie that in um, by taking people that have never really bow fished before. And you know how that can be shooting at fish, mm-hmm. um, getting that. The, the shot with the refraction and all that stuff and figuring oh, out where to aim on oh, fish yeah. and stuff like that. Women are the best. Female shooters are the best at getting it. Really? And when they get it, they get they it. They get it. That's how I am, man. When I get something, I get Yep. It. Once I have seen women catch on so much faster than male shooters. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. They can... I think because they listen. When you're teaching okay. them, they listen sure. better. Sure. And they... They... They absorb what you're telling them to do. They 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 do that technique, you know, of mm-hmm. how to drawing and bring it back to the corner of your mouth and aiming low and, and all that stuff and being fast at that. I think they they listen better and they practice what you tell them better sure. than males. Okay. Where you know, a male's like, I I got this. Especially if he has you know? a background in archery, absolutely, he's not going to be able to forget those principles as far as drawing back, anchoring. Aiming, you know, with a sight yeah. type of deal. It might be easier, actually, if you don't have a background in archery to pick up on all those things. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yep. All right. So when a female archer, bow fisher gets it, she's she got it. it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I was thinking when I when I read that, I'm like, okay, if, if, if that was turned on me, I would say like the bow fishing bug. Like when you first experience Absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there. Oh, gosh. Pretty soon, next thing you know, you got a boat, arrows, bow, the whole deal. And Absolutely. when you get something, I get it. That's kind of what I was thinking for. But yeah, that's perfect. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a great way to tie that mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Well, who said the thing? Who um, would you like to guess? I'll give you a hint. It's a comedian, and I don't know if you've heard of him or not. I think he's hilarious. 
like an older comedian? No, or? he's he's relatively new. So age. he's not like an Andrew Dice Clay kind of guy. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> um, no, it's not him. So he's not like Eddie Murphy or Bill Murray. Or, no, no, no. no. Uh, I don't know. That's good old Theo Vaughn. Yeah, oh, Theo. <laughs> Never heard of him. Okay, he's got he's he's funny. So that that was Theo Vaughn. Okay. So I'm he, not sure he, what he was talking about. Yeah, Probably I what he was talking about something we maybe that. want to talk about on the podcast, <laughs> but that's exactly how he said it. That's how I am, man. When I get something, I get it. And he said right. it so – it doesn't really – it's kind of a strange quote, but he said it with such mm-hmm. ferocity. Mm-hmm. I'm just right now thinking ahead, Derek, of what we can have on our next podcast. And mm-hmm. you know what? I've got a great idea. Okay. We, this, might need, we, need, we might need to make some more room because we might bring – Two oh, other guests in I here, would Derek. love, I know what you're going to say, and I would love it. I don't know if they'll love it, but I would love yeah. it. Yeah. I would love it. Because we'll be fresh back from our fresh Florida off. Gator hunt, and we'll have Alyssa and Wendy are going to have to join us for their f- boat fishing for alligator, first-time experience. Yeah, that would be spectacular. Doing that. Yeah, that would be really cool. If we can convince them to come on, that would be a spectacular show. Right, right. That would be awesome. Because I fly out on Sunday, and at first when I found out that I was flying out on the Sunday, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to miss a Packer game. After watching oh, him, gosh. I don't really care to watch him again. Well, I'll tell you this. Aaron Rodgers is mad. Ugh. He's pissed off. So I feel bad for the Bears. I, I think, feel bad for the players, too, sometimes. I think Aaron's too way too hard on, yeah. I mean, yeah, come these, on. These rookie receivers, too. Like, yeah, this is I their know. first experience is getting yeah, shoot out in their first game. But yeah, like, come on, dude. We'll see, I guess. Why'd you go? I mean, the way they, they showed the players all on the bench there, they were all like, mm. oh, yeah. Why'd you go up to them and talk to them a little bit, sit there in your corner and pout that they're not catching the ball? Or right. you, you don't, well, you only threw to them once after he dropped that yeah. one, but whatever. Yeah, I hear you. But now I guess I can watch them because I guess they played a late game on oh, Sunday. Oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> so I will be able to watch them down there in Florida. Perfect. Perfect. But yeah, mm-hmm. next time we're back, you will be fresh off uh, a trip of a lifetime. So we should have some great content to go along with the show. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Absolutely. We'll get Wendy and Alyssa in here and talk about our trip and the gear. And I know the AMS gear is going to – No, yeah. AMS gear is just outstanding. It's never something you got to worry about. Don't no, have to worry about that. This stuff works like awesome. Plus, it's made right here in the USA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we hope you enjoyed the Carpinius Carpio yeah. podcast here on yeah. the Common Carp. On the Boat Fishing Buzz podcast, presented by AMS Boat Fishing and Megamouth Boat Fishing as well. From all of us here at AMS Boat Fishing, we wish you the best of luck. And remember, aim low and think big. Thanks for listening, guys.